For at least some people, the word grandma still conjures up images of a little old lady sitting on a rocking chair and knitting. And while that may have been a largely accurate portrayal at one point in our history, you can't paint grandmother today with such a broad brush. I'm George Podarki, and this is Cityscape. Veteran journalist Leslie Stahl is a grandmother of two and examines the role of grandparents in society in a new book called Becoming Grandma, The Joys and Science of the New Grandparenting. Leslie joins me now on the phone. Leslie, thanks so much for taking the time. My great pleasure. So tell me about these two girls featured with you on the cover of this book. They're my grandchildren. The older one is Jordan. She's five. And the younger one is Chloe. She's two and a half. And I am, in a word, besotted. You're besotted. madly in love. Now, are you surprised how in love with them you are? Well, I was, and that's why I went out to write this book. Um, was I alone in this? Are all grandparents just, have we all fallen off a cliff? Is this the deepest love we've ever felt? And um, for the most part, the answer is yes. It's pretty universal. And it is not, uh, it's not uh, just Americans, it's, it's around the world, and uh, it's age old. So describe the feeling for me when your first grandchild was born. What did that feel like? Well, it's pretty hard to define, <clears throat> and that was one thing I set out to do. Not sure I did the best job, but there's a, a, it's, a, it's a loving that captures your entire body with total elation, and what I've discovered by turning this kind of into a 60 Minutes-like uh, project is that we are actually having our brains rewired when we hold our own grandchildren. We are becoming different from within. Just the mere holding of the grandchild, we start secreting a hormone, and we're transformed. We are literally... And one of the things that happens beside this wonderful, wonderful feeling that we get is, uh, and, a, and a sense of joy, is that we can no longer say the word no. It is <laughs> completely disabled by this rewiring. So we have, may have been very strict grandparents or very critical grandparents. I mean, parents, parents, parents. As grandparents, we only simply adore them. Yeah, so how is the feeling different when you become a grandmom? compared to when you became a mom for the first time? Well, I think from day one, when you're a mother, you're worried. The hormones that mothers secrete are the vigilant, you know, make you vigilant and therefore a little fearful. Uh, Your job is one to keep them safe as a mother and father, by the way, and uh, to eventually educate them, make sure they're going to be upstanding citizens, all of that. So you basically turn into a policeman and a worry wart. And that takes a lot of energy. Grandparents don't have that. We, our job is just to love them, to give them the unconditional, adoring love that makes them know they're lovable people for the rest of their lives. You know, they have, people have to have that in their lives when they're little. And that's our job, and it comes totally naturally to us. We fall into it. Uh, we don't have to try. It's just there. And I think grandfathers are more surprised by their mushiness, if that's the right word, mm-hmm. toward their grandchildren than even grandmothers are. Because grandfathers go through the same thing. 
You talk in the book about the therapeutic benefits of being a grandparent. Absolutely. I saw it myself, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But there are studies um, done primarily on men, but it does apply to women as well, that taking care of a grandchild can lift a depression and it can make people who are unhealthy because they're bored, because they've retired and they're watching television all day long or whatever, if they then go take care of their grandchildren, they gain a purpose in life, a meaning uh, that was lacking, and they become happier. Grandparents, generally speaking, are happier than they've been probably for the whole middle years of their lives. Hmm. So in, in the things I observed, for example, um, I had a colleague who was depressed, and the day from the day his grandson was born, he popped out of that depression just because of this baby. And my own husband, who has Parkinson's, for the first year of my first grandchild's life, his symptoms disappeared. It was so amazing. We went from doctor to doctor to doctor, couldn't explain it. Now his symptoms have come back. It isn't that he didn't have Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. His symptoms have come back. But for that year, it was stunning. He, he, He had symptoms and then he didn't. Now, you live in New York City. Your grandkids are out in California, right? Yes. How do you deal with that separation? Oh, it it hurts. It hurts. Um, At 60 Minutes, um, I have told my team that if they have stories in California, I'm there. (laughs) You know, we don't even have to debate it. We don't have to talk it over. I'm there. So I've been doing a lot of stories out there and hope that I can continue to. Um, My husband, Aaron, and I try to get out there as often as we possibly can. Has becoming a grandmother affected your work life outside of that? Do you even think about the kinds of stories that you're assigned, hey, I don't want to go anywhere particularly dangerous? No, not really. I've been asked that before. No, I don't really see a change. Um, People have asked me if it softened me, Mm -hmm. and I, I don't feel that. Now, maybe you'd have to go ask other people. I don't feel it. I feel that it's something that comes over me in their presence. It's, it's, uh, it's a physiological rewiring change that happens the minute I look at them. Even on FaceTime, we do a lot of Skyping and FaceTiming with our grandchildren. And even just watching them, you know, long distance, I can feel myself softening inside. Mm-hmm. I was going to say technology certainly has impacted the grandmother-grandchild relationship, right? Thank goodness for FaceTime. Oh, my goodness. It's made such a difference. It's made an enormous difference because we can stay in their lives even if we aren't close to them. Certainly, in a way, my parents didn't with my daughter. So, yeah, that's, that's a real benefit of, of technology. Now, people in our business, yours and mine, might say technology has not been our friend. Mm. We're always connected. Always connected. No time uh, to think. If you have have a story, you have to put it right out, all of that. Mm -hmm. But uh, for grandparents, it's it's been a godsend. You say, Leslie, that this is the age of the grandmother. What do you mean by that? Why? I think that we're basically, grandmothers say, basically baby boomers. And uh, we have been in the workforce, a lot of us, if not most of us, you know, since we got out of school, uh, we're working 
mothers and a lot of us working grandmothers who uh, who have worked our way by earning it up the ladder of whatever our profession is. We're, we haven't broken through the glass ceiling yet, uh, but it seems to me by observation that the public accepts women in authority when they're older and when they're grandmothers. And I think that... Uh, you are going to see, and maybe just because the baby boomers are such a huge cohort and because grandmothers today are younger and better educated, um, that grandmothers are going to be, get into positions of authority in politics. You're seeing it with Hillary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're seeing it at the Fed, the head of the Fed. Nancy Pelosi was a grandmother, Speaker of the House. You're going to see it in CEOs. And it's just because I think that maternal grandmotherly image uh, is accepted as a as a kind of authority. Also, you know, a lot of the beauty houses are turning to grandmothers to represent their lines. You're seeing this more and more and more because the baby boomer cohort is so huge, and really, we're all going we're fifty to seventy, and we're grandmothers. What can we say? Your book focuses in on grandparents who are tasked with raising their grandkids. How common is that, do you think? Grandparents who gain custody of their grandchildren, they are becoming, it's a cohort, a group of us in society that's growing, partly because of the recession. We have, and for any number of reasons, drug abuse, neglect, whatever. Uh, Grandparents uh, one day wake up, and they're raising two or three kids. And I did a, a whole chapter on this house in the Bronx that the city of New York built. Uh, I call it the grandpa- grandmother's house, although it's for grandparents. Most of the, most of the custody grand- people are, are grandmothers, and they have been uh, one day handed their ch- the children for, for, because the, the state took the kids away from the parents. In the Bronx, this special, special building has all kinds of uh, programs that are helping these grandparents. In other parts of the country, uh, these grandparents have no help, and they are just suddenly in their 60s and even 70s finding themselves back where they started, you know, raising little kids. And these are people who had expected that retirement would be leisurely, that they would travel. Uh, a lot of them are struggling. Sounds like that facility here in the Bronx should be, if it's not already, a national model. Oh, it, it, it's unique. It should be a national model. It, it, and it only has 50 apartments. Mm-hmm. doesn't even begin to affect this problem in the city alone. But even these grandmothers who are exhausted and, uh, and who are struggling tell me that it's making them younger uh, because they, they feel such joy in, in taking care of their grandchildren. This is a universal feeling. Your book also touches on grandmothers who are denied access to their grandchildren, and you talk about how shocked you were when you realized just how common a scenario that actually is. Oh, stunning. I, I never even heard of such a thing. I was having lunch with a friend, and I was expecting to talk to her about being a grandmother. And when I brought up the subject, tears started streaming down her face. And she said, please don't use my name. 
and told me that her son and his wife, the dreaded daughter-in-law, heard a lot about the dreaded daughter-in-law, um, are uh, not allowing her to see her own grandchildren. And, and she lives nearby. They're in the same city. So uh, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And you know who, who gets hurt? It's the grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Because they need their grandparents. Grandchildren need this unconditional love that we give them. And it's an indulgent love, and they just need that. Uh, you say that this was a, a plague. lot of it going around. Like, yeah, you say that this was a plague after 9-11, that there was a lot uh, of this going on after it? the 9-11 attacks. But, yeah, a lot of the grandparents uh, of the 9-11 families uh, were and are denied access to their own grandchildren for any number of reasons. You know, the, let's say the, the, the daughter-in-law, because the son died, uh, in the in the tower, when the towers went down, the daughter-in-law remarried, wants to start a whole new life, and uh, doesn't want to have a connection to the past. Wow! I mean, I'm in pain just telling you about it. It hurts. It hurts as a grandmother to know that other grandmothers cannot see their grandchildren. Well, let's get this out there, Leslie. The competition between maternal and paternal grandmothers. How fierce can it get? Very touchy subject, um, very sensitive subject. Uh, there is a, a, a built-in competition. A lot of us don't want it to be there. It's a feeling within us that we don't like, but it is there. Do the kids like them more? Do they see the grandchildren more? You know, it's just a competition that we can't, we, a lot of us, I don't want to say this is universal, but a lot of us uh, can't escape. And I was uh, <clears throat> fortunate because the other grandmother in my relationship, my son-in-law's mother, mm-hmm. gave me an interview. And I asked her if, it was, if she thought it was harder to be the mother uh, on the father's side, the paternal grandmother. And there was a pause, and she said yes. Mm. And then I asked her if she resented me, and there was an even longer pause. And then she said, yes. Wow. So I, don't want, to, I want people to read my book. Mm-hmm. I want people to buy it from Mother's Day as a present. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to tell you what she said about why she resented me. Uh, but I think it's the most powerful interview in the book, and I interview a lot of people. Some famous not, and others not famous. Yeah. Uh, but that is the most powerful. And I myself, when she was telling me this, could hardly talk. I could hardly ask another question. Mm. Yeah, you interview Whoopi Goldberg, Diane Sawyer. Yep. Should grandmothers give advice to the parents of their grandchildren, Leslie? Definitely, positively not, because they don't want, they don't want our criticism. And they resent our criticism. And if we want to see those babies, and we do, believe me, we had better be on our best behavior, and we had better hold our tongue, bite it if you have to. Um, And I do find that most of the grandmothers I interviewed told me they walk on eggshells. They're so careful. Because we understand that the it's kind of the balance of power in the family has shifted, and the the our kids, you know, hold the keys to those children, and we want them, and they are sending us every signal in the world 
we want to raise our children the way we want to raise them. And, you know, basically butt out with your advice. Now, this is not 100% because I wrote this in the book, and my daughter called me when she read it, and she Mm -hmm. said, what are you talking about? She said, I called you when I couldn't get Jordan, the older one, to stop crying. And I said, Mom, Mom, what am I supposed to do? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) And she she was kind of upset with me. She wanted that advice. But most don't. And most grandparents, you know, the best advice is lean back. So how different is your relationship with your grandkids compared to the relationship that you had with your grandparents? Well, you know, we boomers, I'm not really a boomer. I'm a little Mm pre-boomer. But I like to call myself a boomer because I feel I'm part of that generation. It's so huge. It just infected all of us. Um, We feel younger. We may not actually be younger. And we may not actually be even healthier, but we feel younger. We want to be younger. So we have more energy, and uh, we, we are more involved. We, even if we don't live in the same area, we are more involved. And uh, one of the things we're doing is we're spending more money on our grandchildren than earlier generations. And, in fact, listen to this amazing statistic that I came upon. Grandparents today are spending seven times more on their grandchildren than grandparents did just 10 years ago. Wow. Wow. I think you say in the book that they melt your wallets. (laughs) (laughs) They melt our wallets. (laughs) And it's not just because we go into a store and they want something and we say, yes, whatever you want, Um, and not because we're buying toys. Um, We are actually buying big-ticket items, and we are helping with, their daycare um, and their medical bills and there's education and big ticket items you know the crib the car seat mm-hmm. we're 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 spending we're helping raise raise them financially so yeah we're we're in there in a deeper way uh, I think than than even my parents were with my kids your grandkids call you lolly did that just come about organically no I was actually told, look, it doesn't matter what you want to be called. They'll call you what they want to call you or what, what they can call you. And I said, no, they're going to call me what, you know, what I want. So I wanted an easy name. And I t- said, what if they called me Leslie? I knew they, that they, they would not be able to say that for years. Yeah. So I thought it might come out Lolly. Close enough, right? Yeah. And then when I announced that that was going to be it, my husband said, well, in that case, I'm going to be Pop, and we'll be Lollipop. <laughs> so that's what we are. I love it. <laughs> it's a little tacky, but, uh, you know, that's, and you know what? Little kids don't, didn't, my grandchildren didn't get the Lollipop. My, my older one was four years old when it dawned on her. Ah! Oh, yeah, you know? I love it. Well, the book is Becoming Grandma, The Joys and Science of the New Grandparenting. Leslie Stahl, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, George. Leslie Stahl is an award-winning veteran journalist. She's been a correspondent on CBS's 60 Minutes since 1991. Next on Cityscape, another journalist who's working to shed new light on the role of grandparents in society. Her name is Olivia Gentili, and she's the brains behind a website called The Grandparent Effect. Olivia, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you for having me. So tell me about this website, The Grandparent Effect. Well... 
the Grandparent Effect is a website about and for grandparents and about grandparenting and the increasing importance of grandparents in our families and our society. And the website is not just about all the reasons that grandparents are more important than they used to be. The website is also um, kind of a lifestyle magazine about what life is like in American families now that grandparents are so important. So what inspired you to explore the role of the grandparent in America? Well, I was interested in grandparents because I was so close to mine, and also because I was so close to mine well into my 30s. And it occurred to me that the way that grandparents are usually represented in the media was not consistent at all with the way I was experiencing my own grandparents. Um, Grandparents are often depicted as old-fashioned and a little bit out of the game and weak. And here I was, a 30-something, fiercely depending on my grandparents for all kinds of emotional support and sometimes financial support. And they were not in the least um, feeble-minded or or old-fashioned. They were very contemporary, um, intelligent, interesting people. And I didn't see people like them being represented in the media or in literature. And I knew they had a lot of friends who were just like them. And so after they died, I started investigating the role of grandparents in American families. And I found that, sure enough, um, there were lots of grandparents in their 80s and 90s who, who were playing huge roles in their grandchildren's lives. And then I started looking at younger grandparents. And I found out that they were playing for different reasons, they were playing an increased and very vibrant role in their grandchildren's lives. And um, the reasons for this, what I call the rise of the grandparent, are um, numerous. But one important thing is that grandparents are both healthier and wealthier than they've ever been. Yeah, in the About section on your website, you say, quote, I hope to turn everything you thought you knew about grandparents upside down. Yes, of course. Some people are starting to learn a little more about about what grandparents are really doing in our society. So, so maybe some people don't need their thinking turned upside down. But yeah, I sort of summarize. I have a post called Five Myths About Grandparents that it's kind that it's time to trash. And what are those five myths? Okay, uh, I will briefly tell you. One myth is that grandparents are old. There's nothing wrong with being old, but I think it's important for Americans to know that eighty percent of grandparents are actually younger than 75. And also that people are always shocked to hear this, the median age at which an American woman welcomes her first grandchild is actually 50. Really? And the median age at which an American man welcomes his first grandchild is 54. So uh, most American parents in their late 50s are actually grandparents. Another myth is that grandchildren are young. Of course, some grandchildren are young, but as I was explaining about my own situation, there are many grandchildren in their 20s and their 30s who have um, intimate and very important relationships with their grandparents who are in their 70s, 80s, and 90s and are not necessarily, you know, feeble and requiring care all the time, as you might think from the mainstream media. In many cases, the grandparents are, are really the ones steering the grandchildren. The third myth, um, and hopefully we're starting to dispel this between the work I'm doing and other journalists and and the work that Leslie Stahl is doing, there's been a, a widespread perception that grandparents are playing a declining role in children's lives. 
that, you know, as we get more modern, that the extended family is kind of falling apart. This is not backed up by any scholarship or evidence. And many demographers and sociologists are saying that grandparents are actually playing a larger role in children's lives than they used to. Um, This is partly because children have more grandparents than they used to because grandparents are living longer. Um, And this is also because grandparents have fewer grandchildren than they used to because families are getting smaller. So grandparents can lavish more resources on each of their grandchildren. Does that make sense? Yes, it does, actually. And then this is extremely important, and I think um, Lovely Stahl's book discusses this at length. More mothers are working. Um, The statistics I have are that seven in ten American mothers are in the workforce. Mm -hmm. And also four, uh, I I don't know if she talks about this in her book, but Um, Actually, four in ten births in the United States are to unmarried mothers. Mm -hmm. So what you have are, and that doesn't mean they don't have partners or helpers, but they're not married. And so what you have are a lot of working mothers, a lot of single mothers, and they can't do do it all themselves. And the grandparents are becoming increasingly important sources of financial, logistical, and emotional support, especially... Um, in terms of child care. The fourth is that grandparents, and you, you see this again and again in the mainstream media, the fourth is that grandparents depend on their adult children for financial support. That used to be true. That is absolutely not true anymore. In fact, grandparents are more, than, more often than not helping to support their grandchildren and their, and their children rather than the other way around. And last, um, there's the myth of increasing American mobility. Um, a lot of people think that as we've gotten more modern, um, we have our families have become farther flung. You see this repeated again and again in headline after headline. And again, there's there's no research to back this up. Um, and there is research backing up that we've actually become a less mobile society in recent decades. I'm not going to say that that's definitely true, but there definitely isn't any evidence that we've become a more mobile society, and we may have become less mobile. So, in other words, people think that fewer and fewer grandchildren are growing up with a grandparent in their home or nearby, and that's not the case. In fact, multi-generational housing is making a comeback, Mm -hmm. and many, many kids live live in the same town or within a 20-mile drive of their grandparents. Yeah, my mom lived in the same house with her grandparents, and I was fortunate always to have visited as a kid with my grandparents and my great-grandparents under the same roof. Mm-hmm. You recently wrote an article about a program in the Syracuse school system that's placing grandparents in schools. Yes. This is just an example of the way grandparents are getting involved in schools all over the country. But... Um, in Sy- Syracuse is, is has long been a struggling school district, and uh, they recently got funding from the foster grandparent program in Washington to put a foster grandparent, in other words, a volunteer who's over age 55, in every single first and second grade classroom in the city. These are retired men and women who are in their, many of them are in their 60s or 70s, and they have a lot to offer kids and the kids need them. And uh, it's an experiment that they're trying. There are all kinds of ways grandparents can get involved in education. And Syracuse is just making it a little more um, systematic. Your website has a wide range of articles about grandparents. I love the article you wrote with the headline, In Elephant Families, Grandma is Boss. Yes. 
Well, what I'm trying to show on my website is the importance of grandparents, not only in the human species, but in several other species. And there aren't a ton of of species where grandparents matter um, as much as they do in the human species, but in elephants and also in um, orcas, in orca family, in elephant families and orca families, grandparents are very important, especially for their wisdom. They know where to find food. In the case of elephants, they know how to avoid danger. And so, so I'm interested in this. There's also a species of bird called the Seychelles warbler where grandparents are important, and I'll be writing about that down the line. Your website also touches on celebrity grandparents. You have an article on there about Eleanor Roosevelt. There's another one about Michelle Obama's mom, right? Yes, I talk about my, my kind of celebrities. Yeah, uh, Calvin Trillin is my favorite celebrity grandpa. I don't know if everyone considers him a celebrity. And I did an interview with him. I have mentioned some some politicians, and I also posted uh, did a post about Queen Elizabeth recently. So, Olivia, the website is? GrandparentEffect.com. Olivia, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Olivia Gentili is an author, journalist, wife, and mother. Once again, her project is called The Grandparent Effect. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Bodarki. My thanks to producer Claire Drake, and my thanks to you for listening. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.